0: Like everything I've done, I think, is has a backbone of what other people have done, you know? Yeah. And uh, the more building blocks in the foundation that we can layer, then the, the higher that anyone else can step up and, and that's their starting point.
1: Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, balloon. this is Podcast Nation, this is Kivi, and this is Season 6, Chapter 9. Wow! This season is flying by so fast, and today we are going to enjoy an interview with Chris Adamo. Chris Adamo's other side is his background in the IT field. He learned computer science, and he's been using the knowledge and the skills from computer science ever since he started in the balloon industry. So that's uh, very interesting to see how he actually created quite an empire around him and what is his relationship with the art side as well. So this other side and the way that it affects everything is so, so interesting. See you at the other end of this interview. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we're coming to you live from WBC 18, San Diego. This is actually the last day the convention is over, but Chris Adamo from Australia was so kind and generous and find the time to meet with us and talk about his other side. Hello, Chris Adamo. How are you?
0: Zivi, I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to have you and we've met before in Float and, uh, and of course online, it's wonderful to see all the things that you put out and we'll talk about that as well today. But before we go into everything in your balloon business, I want to know how did you get into balloons and what was you know, your background with that?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, look, I, I must apologize about my voice. I've been talking for an entire week, not shouting, not drinking, not partying, not staying up late, but just talking. Um, but we'll, we'll pull through. Uh, I got into the balloon industry as, uh, a natural succession of being, it, it was in my family. My mother had a balloon shop and I grew up around the kitchen table and, and she was talking about business and as a kid I would, uh, help her on weekends and it, she started actually as a florist. So when I was quite young we went to the flower markets with her and we'd, I'd be at her store, you know, cutting the, the stems of the, of the roses and, and she slowly transitioned into balloons, so flowers and balloons. And the, the business was called Balloons and Blooms. And uh, it was, I think she had it for about 12 years all in all. So when I finished school and I could drive, I helped her with deliveries and I worked more regular shifts and got to understand the business. I must say, I was never really, there was no innate passion at the time, right? It was, to me, it was just a job. And uh, I need to be honest about that because obviously it's changed, I guess my story is I studied computing science at university, uh, so worked for her and i I quit that halfway through I didn't want to be a database administrator I didn't want to be a programmer. I wanted to get into something a little more creative, so web and graphic design was the was the, the path uh yeah, so I quit university I got a job in graphic and web design and it was a it was a cool company you know I got to relax and um uh, you know, wear a t-shirt and jeans to work, and it was, it was great. And it enabled me to combine the technical skills and interests that I had with, with the graphics. I was I was the guy that sort of unified the graphics with code. But you know what? That that was only three months, <laughs> because it still it still wasn't me. I was behind a computer, and I I, uh, I just couldn't handle it. Right. So I quit that, and I worked for my mum uh, full time for about six months. She sold her business. And uh, I was thinking of buying it because I knew I really enjoyed it at that point And I knew that uh, it was something I could see myself uh, developing. But she wouldn't give me a discount. <laughs> I'm one of four. And if she gave me a deal, then she'd have to look after the others. So she sold it. And, you know, what? it was one of the best things, I think, that could have happened because I wasn't just sort of riding her coattails. You know, it was, it was always going to be her thing. I traveled for a bit and um, slowly set into plans to start my own business. And uh, that was about 16 years ago.
1: Wow. So your background is in computer science. You only worked a bit in it before you knew that you want to go into the balloon business. Tell us a little bit about how that started, you know, 16 years ago, starting fresh in this balloon business what did you do
0: okay well i really wanted to meld the it skills that i had we we had a a, a online store for my mother's business back in 1996 i was managing it for her and uh it was a order relay business so she would accept orders she was a part of interflora right for flowers and uh so i guess she wanted to give that a go and a lot of people do it uh, without any structure, they might take an order and, and jump on Facebook and try and find someone, you know. But back then, uh, she would print an order and we would fax it, you know, <laughs> to uh, Melbourne or to Brisbane or, or whatever. So I was exposed to online stores uh, back then. I was running it for her. So uh, what's that, 22 years now I've been running an online store in the balloon industry. Uh, I did my first balloon drop about 97 and... Um, you know everything in between so but back to your question so my focus at the time was to have a, a an online business uh, where we would relay orders to other people we would sell uh, balloon bouquets uh, on to, to Melbourne or Brisbane so we're based in Sydney of course in Sydney as well and in Sydney we would make and deliver but we would we would sell on behalf of the partners the regular relationships we had with like some wonderful people some of my closest friends now are these people I've been dealing with for so long but that was always, um, yeah, I've always been inspired and interested in, in that in a unified brand, right? Uh, from a sales perspective, with a unified system and a unified product. Um, because independently on our own little islands, creating our own websites, we, we just can't do it as good a job of it, right? But if you pool the resources, which is really what it is, we, we make a commission on a sale. So there's a resource that is essentially pooled. Um, then we can create something a little bit bigger and, and something that is um, that can compete with the other industries flowers and gifts so that was the focus I, I was a businessman really like not an artist okay.
1: that, that's really interesting because from day one of going into the business by yourself independently you want, you took the approach the business approach of working in multiple locations that are like hours of hours of flight away from each other uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken like uh, how...
0: w- well, well yeah so w- w- these people that we work with in the other cities they're independently owned businesses yeah. but I don't own them I don't. it's not a franchise yeah. they run their own business and I get in touch with them and say hey can I sell balloon bouquets and I, I give you the order and you make it and you deliver it yeah. right and we get a commission just like Interflora yeah.
1: but, but who makes the design itself
0: we do. So we create all the IP in Sydney, right? So we create the systems, all of the products, take the photos, edit the photos, all the search engine optimization, all of that. Um, so to describe the system as it is now, if, if someone were to sign up as a partner, right? we call them partners, um, we would allocate certain suburbs within a city or, or a whole town if it's small enough. Uh, and, that, and they would then choose the price uh, that they want to charge for delivery to the, each suburb or postcode. Uh, they would activate the products they want to sell and the price they want to sell it for. And there's a million other, it's all custom coded, so to have a huge range of, of extra f- functionality like uh, extra delivery services, so early times, late times, Saturday, Sunday deliveries, um, you know, how much the individual high float price is. You know, the customer can order 50 loose balloons at the price you set and they can click a button to add high float uh, and, and so on.
1: Wow. And that that requires a lot of of IT, a lot of uh, planning ahead of time of of a website that will support those orders. And basically, I imagine the user experience for his customer from a customer standpoint is that he first of all needs to say where is the delivery for before he can see the prices. That's right. So the website's constantly
0: trying to ask where do you want to send it so that it can calibrate uh, the inventory that's available and the price that's available there. If they type in um, when they want to send it, if it's same day delivery, a countdown timer will appear, and it'll it'll show how like they've got an hour or so to place this order before uh, for same day delivery. And then once the order is placed and paid for, um, uh, automatic email gets triggered to the customer, to the partner, and to us. And we um, in Sydney, we, we manage that process, right? Just say you're out on the road, you're busy, you're a, a, your own business, and uh, we, we will notice that you haven't confirmed it. Because once you confirm it, an email is triggered or, or we actually get an automatic email saying it's 10.30, this person hasn't confirmed it. So we've got your back, right? We will call you and say, oh, you know, maybe you're sick today. Maybe something happened and then we can actually find another partner to do that order, right? And, and who does the collection of the money? We do, yeah. It's, and we, we pay monthly. Also, the, uh, we've got a 1-300 number and all the, phones, the phone calls come to us. So quite often it's my staff with their time. Uh, placing the order on behalf of um, the the solo, the independent business. You know, so some of the partners are, are shops as well with staff. But I, I really do love working with the uh, mums and dads working at home because they don't have the resources necessarily to answer the phone all the time. And sometimes they themselves will direct a customer to our website because they're busy, they're up a ladder rigging, right, or whatever. And, uh, and you can place the order online and, and we take a commission, sure, but to them it's more valuable. Because uh, the, the time it takes to discuss and, to, and, and sh- talk about all the variations of products and, and colors, and uh, it just, the, the system does it automatically and empowers the customer to make those decisions and, t- and follow that journey.
1: So, back then, when you started, how many partners did you have?
0: Oh, like obviously, it started with one, and you know, but I, I think we had eight for the
1: first couple of years, we, we now have 28. 28 customers. They're partners, partners. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me just say that again. 28 partners, and that's from all around Australia, pretty much. hmm And um, is it okay to ask how much is the commission from each design?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, it varies between 20 and 25%, right, of the order value, not the delivery. So yeah. we, although we, we have to absorb the credit card fee on the full price, which is difficult we're going to be changing it actually so that we'll be able to remove the credit card the transaction cost uh, and with the new rendition of the website, uh, the payment will actually be sent same day to their bank account uh, uh, yeah we've got a cool system that can do that uh, so they don't have to wait a month
1: <laughs> that, that's really really impressive uh, so uh, you, you keep you know maintaining this network and this uh, Machine this online software that, that helps you manage everything and save time for the car, for, for 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 the partners.
0: Look, one thing that I when I'm talking to a new partner, um, we might say, well, the average sale could be eighty dollars, right? So twenty percent of that is sixteen dollars, and uh, when you remove the credit card transaction fees and everything, you go, okay, well, it, this costs you sixteen dollars for us to give it to you. Now, you might have spent 30 minutes on the phone with that customer, getting the message, talking about the varieties of the happy birthday prints, and, and, uh, you know, that, that, like, time is money. You know, I really feel that it's not, um, it's not a figure, it's not a price that, um, is, is unacceptable. Um, you know, like, I, I know other networks and other industries, um, do, do charge a lot more. They might have a couple of dollar fee plus, uh, 25 to 30 percent. You know, like I'm not in this to um, t- um, to rip people off, you know, like I really believe and I'm really driven by uh, wanting to do this because by with a unified brand, from the retail perspective, uh, online at least, um, we uh, have the opportunity to, to join all of these independent operators out there and if we can make their business successful... And at the same time make money and create a, a larger uh, business for us then that that cycle can continue we can add more to marketing add more to IP um, and uh, everybody wins right the better that our website is and uh, provided everyone's having a, a profitable business and we're not exploiting that um, I know uber eats is an example they take like 35% or, or, or something and these small like pizza businesses. that we got one down the road they're struggling you know they don't get any orders themselves anymore and uber is taking absolutely everything and it's just not fair it's not a business model that 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 works and i really want to make sure that uh we do find that balance
1: that's very interesting did you ever have a situation where some partner would decide that he no longer wants to be a part of the network only once because they closed down yeah, that, that's basically... Yeah. No one's that.
0: ever left uh, because they're un- unhappy with the service. No.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. And how about um, people that wanted to join the network and you refused? Did this ever happen? Uh, We'd we pause
0: someone's account once because we get feedback, right? An automatic email is sent asking for feedback. And, you know, we, get, we have problems where, uh, you know, something's not delivered and the customer's calling and it's our time. We've got to follow that up with the partner and... The the partner's telephone number is on the order. You know, we're empowering them. Okay, this is your order. You know, deal with it as if it's your own. Right? It's silly us playing Chinese whispers with the customer. And but, however, if they're busy and they're not answering their phone, then they call us. The customer calls us, and if we every day have to deal with complaints, right, or we get bad feedback time and time again, like we 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 might cut them out. And we, we realize this person had family. You know, a bit of. Um, strife at home, and and just needed some time. And I'm like, well, you, I wish you just told us, and we'd we paused the account and uh, reactivated it.
1: I see. Um, that's interesting. And how about a situation where someone wanted to join you, uh, and like, is there something that happens where? they need to maybe be certified or go through some training. Mm. Uh, how, how often does that happen, that you can actually accept new partners?
0: Yeah, look, Australia is not a... It, it's a big place, but it's a small place, right? Yeah, although, um, you know, there's a lot of land, we, we all know each other quite well, and we have our own Facebook groups where we all chat within the industry and, and wonderful <laughs> events like Oz Jam and the Australian Balloon Convention, we get to meet each other, and it's uh, we're, we're all very collaborative, and every single partner that's joined I've known personally. So I, I haven't had that issue yet. But certainly going forward, um, there, uh, you know, there, there needs to be minimum requirements of experience and um, service times especially. Now, as far as quality control, the next rendition of the website will we'll have an app on your phone for our partners to use. And they'll take a photo of every product before it goes out. So we'll have a library of that so we can quality control. Also, that photo gets sent to the customer. So they can see what it looks like before it goes out, which is good. So it just sort of keeps everyone accountable. Uh, but but yeah, like there's there's obviously um, a lot of room for improvement.
1: Well, definitely uh, all of those uh, day-to-day decisions that you make in in building the tool, improving it, and improving it again and again, uh, you had to have the background in IT to make it so. You know, so good in the details. You know, they say God is in the details. You know, you you manage to make all the all the user ca- use cases work for you for the for your partners. So, uh, how often do you thank yourself or your mom on you know uh, on on going to learn uh, computer science? Um,
0: <laughs> I never really thought about that. Thanking myself, um, but, but I absolutely agree. It's you, you, I don't think you should be running this business without both skills, right? To, to be a balloon decorator, uh, to, to be on the road delivering the, the balloon bouquets for years and years and years and to, to know the problems so you can develop a system that that solves those problems through, through the system itself. So, so, yeah, that's why I was really drawn to this because I had both those skills and uh, it, I just can't stop, you know, wanting to develop this further.
1: Yeah. So, tell me when was the day where you find yourself kind of in love with balloons and in the art part of it, yeah, and not uh, only on the aspect of really building this kingdom of with partners inside
0: yeah well, so I, I should say also we have a retail shop, so I worked at home for one year and then we bought a premises and uh in annandale in sydney's inner west it's a great place we're still there we, we doubled it we got the place next door uh about four years ago and so the, all of that the, the shop itself was transformed from a traditional party shop with fancy dress and all of that stuff after a year or two of just re-evaluating what's working we ended up with purely a balloon shop we don't sell anything else but balloons which is quite unique i think we, we, of course, do classic decor and, and always have the, the balloon bouquets that we delivered ourselves, you know, loose balloons, blah, blah, blah. I oh, Just a businessman, as I say, right? So with the online store and the retail shop, um, no huge love um, for the, the product. It, it built slowly over time. I just find it interesting that you know, a lot of people that I meet at conventions are in balloons because they love it with a passion, right? They grew up with it. You know, I know Tommy De Lorenzo's story. Um, is just really inspiring and, and uh, Edward Munoz and it, you know, they grew up right, living and breathing this, whereas to me it it slowly crept in and because I really feel that i 'm as passionate as, as, as the most passionate person around now, but it happened over time and it was a slow journey like i I found myself at at, at one point actually a little um, just complacent you know I was running a business as, it was successful, but I was bored right. And uh, because it was just a job. I'd get on, I'd put on my clothes. I'd get up in the morning and uh, off i go to work. And it was just a job. And something like switched. I went to my first balloon convention a couple of years ago. I think that was the Australian Balloon Convention and then subsequently AusJam. We knew our partners, but uh, to meet the balloon partners that we had and the the wonderful people at these conventions and and to be inspired and to to be sort of... um, Lifted by their enthusiasm and energy for the industry was was I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. And I met some wonderful designers like guido Van was one of the very first instructors uh, that whose class I sat in. And he was talking about his large quicklink builds and some of the planning processes. And he uh, you know built a, a dinosaur out of quicklink rings. And you know this this wasn't stacking anymore, right? It wasn't classic decor. And I knew you could do it. Always did, but I never really thought well. And that could be me or or there's money behind this, there's money in this. And so I, I came back from those and with a different mindset to my business. And rather than just trying to upsell classic decor, I was trying to upsell, um, you know, I was, I was trying to push the boundaries, right? I was trying to do new, interesting things. Um, and, uh, you know, like through that, that, that self-improvement, we, uh, you know, one step to another step... And then I, got, I started to see the reaction in the in the customer's face, you know? So not, not only my self-satisfaction, but, you know, when you do a great job, and instead of being a delivery guy, um, I, I was also uh, turned into something else, you know? Like, I wasn't just that guy in the goods lift. Yeah, put it over there. Okay, away you go, right? I became, you know, more respected when I was at the event. I was an artist. I was treated with... Uh, um, you know um, uh, like not not praise but but just gratitude right if, if you can come in and convert this space into, into something else, if you can meet your customers' expectations and then some, and see that that look of just, just sheer happiness on their face, right and you did that right your idea, which was not their idea, just changed something and you gave them one hundred and ten percent and then and then some more, right. Uh, It was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. You know, I think the height of it was uh, we were at the Sydney Opera House. Um, We had this huge job inflating 18,500 balloons where we lifted an artist up on stage. And I had the walkie-talkie on and I had an access all areas past the the Sydney Opera House. And we had a team of of 20 balloon inflators plus, uh, you know, all the Opera House team. There would have been like 40 people in which I was in control of, Right and and I was the, the the head of the the event you know uh was was looking to me for advice and and how to make that happen and we're on stage uh in the in the the great hall in the concert hall um on the sunday for like eight hours me and the artist who was the the lady in the in the on the chair and, and a rigger from um Austria just the three of us making this thing happen and my my family came and watched and my kids were there and you know like that's that's obviously the creme de la creme of this feeling but I get that same feeling you know in, from small jobs to, to the medium ones but I only got that feeling because I was I, I, I turned into I guess an artist right I started to, to to be more than just a stacker delivering balloons leaving the bags in the corner of the room and, get, and walking away
1: Was it also meaningful on the business side of things?
0: Yeah look uh, as I said I was I was disheartened and just uh, getting tired Right, so this um, this transition in a way, um, you know, inspired me to to want to be even better from a business perspective. So what I found, and I think I was talking about this um, a few days ago, is uh, the, the 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 creating unique, interesting work that is recognised and that is appreciated, puts you in touch with um, clients who. Who demand that work, or clients, clients who appreciate that work, and those clients actually are the ones with the big money, right? So until I, I, sort of got out of the bread and butter. Well, we still do it. We still, we'll we'll do a column in a heartbeat. We, our, our bread and butter still is classic decor. However, um, the the you know by getting in touch with with this clientele. Um, it, would sort of uh, develop itself, right? I, I would meet someone who, who would really appreciate our work and then they would tell 10 of their friends, right? Because we, we were just not another number, right? There's, there might be 20, 30, 40 balloon artists in Sydney um, and uh, it's all about differentiating yourself from from the norm. So, yeah, like I really would encourage anyone out there to just try and push the boundaries whenever you can, um, you know, to, to be recognized as, as different
1: And I bet what I'm about to say might, you know, be something that you hear a lot and maybe will embarrass you. But I just want to emphasize because from watching through Facebook and through YouTube uh, on all of the, I I want to say content, but it's not just about content. It's also about, you know, uh, all of the uh, projects that you've been involved in and that you've created as an artist and as a business owner. Uh, are very, very inspiring and impressive. And, and you definitely nailed it with, with calling it, you know, pushing the boundaries. Uh, it feels like you have a lot of passion for that and that you managed to create some amazing transformations in the gigs and the events that you take, uh, a part of. So, so really, I just want to uh, emphasize how important it is for us all the way from all around the world to see that and how thankful we all feel um, to you for just for the fact that you share and that you care about this art form because it inspires us to do the same And, and by all means you don't need to be frustrated you know if you're listening now and you're thinking hey I will never be like Chris Adamo you know Chris Adamo became Chris Adamo through hard work and through you know step by step and and pushing the boundaries is not something that can be done immediately, but uh, you're definitely, you know, on, on on this journey that you could see you've been walking quite a distance in it.
0: Oh, thank you, man. That, that that really means a lot. It, uh, you know, I I, I got to sort of I, I do post a lot. I agree, only because others post a lot, right? You know, without social media, you know, we had balloon images and a few other resources, but that that was every few months, right? Um with, with Facebook, I've, I've learned so, so much from other people sharing their wealth of knowledge. And the world is such a big place. You know, I don't think we should worry about our competition uh, finding our secrets. You know, we want our competition to succeed as well. So whenever I, I feel like I've done something different that could possibly inspire, I, I post it. I'm not ashamed to do that. And, and I love seeing other people's posts and, and inspiring. Like everything I've done, I think, is has a backbone of what other people have done, you know. And uh, the more building blocks in the foundation that we can layer, then the the higher that anyone else can step up and and that's their starting point. And I don't think I've ever been a a creative person uh, innately, right? Some are, some aren't. You know, I sort of came more from a technical background, right? But, uh, you know, I think once I heard, uh, if you want to be creative, just start creating. Right, because you will get an eye for it over time. You know, if you do something wrong, you'll look at it and you in why was that wrong? You'll keep looking at it and and you'll you'll learn why. Okay, and then you, you do something else that looks good. Why was that good? And you, to to be creative, you just have to start creating. Um, well, yeah. when I, one other inter- interesting thing I heard, I think it was like Seth Godin, or it's just an interesting quote. And uh, and it, it, he said, you know, don't be better, be different. Right? Uh, I, I think we all. There's nothing wrong with, like, trying to improve and improve and improve on the same thing, right? You know, you want to be good. But uh, what about option B and C, you know? Like, and, and I, I always try and look at that. A customer asks for one thing. How can we do that differently?
1: Wow. If you want to be creative, start creating. That's such a good message and such a, a golden nugget here to to hear it from you. And, uh, you know, you, you we've all... in got so inspired in WBC from uh, not just your teachings but also uh, that amazing uh, decor for the after party after the gala night where you managed to transform an entire hall that was boring and we already been there a few times into what I can only describe as this huge Balloon cave uh, with wonderful combinations of, of black uh, linking balloons, uh, quick links, and uh, some 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 foil balloons that were just transforming some tapers. I think mm-hmm. some tapers yeah. that just made an entire transformation in the whole There were organic uh, balloon walls. There were I uh, just everything looked different. And to see the the stage with uh, the band on it and kind of you go through a tunnel. To go into this huge cave and and then meet, uh, meet the, the band there and dance. And uh, it's almost like not just on the atmosphere level, but also on the functional level, you've made the situation where you just have to dance. You know, to, uh, in order to, to yeah. go into the party yeah. sure you can then later find a spot near the bar section and stuff like that which was you know, also designed in all co- sorts of ways but just to see, you didn't embellish the, the, the whole as you, you also mentioned to me before it, it wasn't about embellishing, it was about an, an entire transformation so how long did it take to plan the, this design? Um, well, well, thank you.
0: Firstly, <laughs> it was only last night. That's why my voice is still a little bit rough. <laughs> I mean, you know, barking commands, uh, all, all yesterday we, we had a wonderful team. I should point out by the way. And it, it, it wasn't even a team. It was classes and some people that enjoyed the idea just, just hung around. Right. And we had people in the hallway who, who just jumped on in and we just created this team out of this community. People just came together. And, um, Zoe from Australia in particular, I, you know, I didn't ask her, but she just two days ago said, I'm helping with you this the, the, the whole time, right? And she was a rock. But um, back to your question. Uh, look, I don't, I don't really know how long it took to design. It just just happened, right? But we had so much time uh, to think about it. But the, the day before uh, I was asked to, I was given the award, and I was at the, the, the um, theatrical production of Aladdin, the, the movie. And the cave scene, when they're up on the on stage, uh, was um, like really interesting to me. I, I still remember it. They had uh, like gold, jagged um, sort of like plasticky you know things hanging like like curtains, right? With, with stalactites of gold, and that was representing um, you know the inside of the cave with all the gold um, coins everywhere. But then when uh, Aladdin touched the lamp, all of a sudden, its gold turned to red. But it, it, it was reflective. It wasn't actually an internal absorbed color. It was just lights shining actually on what was silver. I thought it was gold the whole time, but it was just a silver reflective mirror, jagged lines, and uh, so the whole room could transform through reflective light. And I hadn't really seen that as a medium in balloon decor. And of course, with the Qualitex taper foils, um, it was just a perfect match to to create this same same style. So the that was really what all I had. I'm like, okay, well, how can I use this? So I thought of lines of teeth in a shark's mouth, you know, something like that, under the sea or, uh, you know, working with catch a wave to success, right? And, uh, you know, finally, like, I, I kind of design, um, like, in my head, you know, just while driving or usually when I wake up or before I go to sleep, I'll just sort of, you know, think of one thing and then and then all of a sudden a concept will appear, like anyone, right? And... Uh, yeah it just developed and i use a lot of uh, digital aids so i i with my graphic design skill and we discussed this in the class um i will often design uh, either 2d and, and in this case i did a 3d rendered video walkthrough of of the the design and I, I changed it as i was building that because i could see how the proportions would work differently and so you know we started with a tunnel and uh you know in this piece i uh, as you said um I really wanted to use balloons as a medium to um, to change the space, right? Not not theme or embellish, but to actually transform it completely. And to do that uh, most simply was the ceiling. You know, I could have gone walls all around and everything, but we, we cut out all the house lights and we added a lot of color. The original concept actually was to have the whole room one color and merge to another color, merge to another with the mirror balls or pure white in the center. But uh, you know, we had a few meetings about that. But obviously, the lighting guys ran out of time, or I don't know what. So uh, they ended up with just lots of color everywhere. But you know, nobody else knew that, I guess. But uh, yeah, through a reflective light, we and um, that ceiling was probably only a third of the room. But but because it was the entrance and the focus, uh, I think that uh, yeah, it made it larger than what it was.
1: Well, it was definitely a lot of fun to go through it and to see. You know the excitement of everyone, and it was uh, quite a party. But I'm really thankful for you to share and inspire through your story. I do want to uh, just uh, give a little bit of information about this amazing tool that you and your team have developed, which is a tool that serves. It's a free tool, I, I might add, uh, that, that serves the entire you know world on Dico needs. So tell us a little bit about the tool and what is it used for and why did you develop it? Okay, yeah, thank you.
0: Um, so w- I think it was Colin Stewart's class uh, at where uh, we were talking about um, building six inch quicklink link numbers and it was a great class, it was the first time I've tried anything like that before and Colin used the um, downloadable PDF from the like, Qualitex uh, QBN login. Uh, and he, he drew over that, the, the design for the numbers. And I thought, well, look, in, in this day and age, surely there's a better way, right? It, me personally, I could digitally sketch that in Illustrator or whatever, you know, overlay the oval of the balloons and put them all to scale. It'll take a bit of time. But what, it, what I was interested in was, what about the quantity? How many balloons am, am I using? So I um, created an Excel spreadsheet with cells and rows and columns. And you would color in the cell so you can visually see it and you can insert some code that would count how many cells had this color or that color. And then from that, you can double it if it's a double skin number. And it was really that spreadsheet then I, I gave to a web developer to put that as a web-based application. And I found this amazing web guy. It wasn't cheap, but what he created was, just, was far surpassed what I imagined it looking like. So we kept chatting, and the six-inch link um, design tool. Then uh, we added uh, X grid, twelve-inch X grid, and and then the grids itself system, and Duplet square pack, and alternate size pack. And there's been so many additions, and it's uh, you know hurting the bank a little bit. But I, I got to say as well, like I get advantage of it. Right? I get to use this tool myself in my business. Um, but not only that, we, we we do get having extra traffic to the website helps with uh, SEO. So even though it's free, like it, there's a little advantage there for me, and uh, and why not, right? Because everybody, if it helps others, and it's you know, it's still
1: free. But um, what was the other part of your question? As to what does it do, and why did you make it? And you answer both. You go. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, well I, I guess like uh, t- to add to that. So n- not only a simple way of designing, but the you know, I really felt like the, the calculations and what, it, like my end game for this is to have finished sizes. Because quite often a customer will come to us, like in this class I was talking about, right? We, we built like a number seven and a zero, I forget, whatever it is, right? And we took those sheets home with us. So if I wanted to make a seven and a zero in that size, in any color, I'll be good. But what if I needed a six and a five in half the size or double the size, right? And I know now how to, how to tie my quick links, but I just don't know how to design that, right? So that, that to me was, is always something, not, not how to... You know, give them out a fish and feed them for him a day you know, like how do we actually teach them to fish and feed them for life so I think design is something that, that people find very difficult and uh, so that, that's where this tool kind of came from but, but backtracking a little bit if you can have finished measurements because clients will always say I want a number blah 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 and I want it this big or we have a wall like a window and we want to put a balloon wall in it and it's this size so when you, you just start blowing up quick links and you put it all together and all of a sudden it's you know, a couple of inches too big. And if you knew that before you started, you would have made all those balloons a little bit smaller, right? But now you're stuck. What do you do? you minus the balloon or add another balloon? You, know, you can't add another one, so you minus it and now you're 20 centimetres too small and you haven't filled that window. So imagine if you had a tool where you could type in those measurements, the measurements in the first instance and uh, it'll tell you, okay, now you need eight links uh, at this size, right? So that that to me is the future of it. Uh, but at least for now, it's um, it is what it is.
1: Well, that's you know quite impressive by itself. After experimenting with it, but also talking with balloon artists from all around the world that are using it uh, on a daily basis, I have to say, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time in developing it and also making it uh, accessible for everyone and just thank you and if someone wants to check it out where should they go
0: yeah well well, thanks for bringing it up because it's all about exposure right the more people that talk about it uh then the more people that know about it so i always ask if anyone does use the tool like please post what you've done and uh and a link so where do, where do you go it's um uh, balloons.com.au forward slash tools t-o-o-l-s so balloons.com.au forward slash tools you can also i think if you type like balloon
1: calculator and google you might find sue bowler's blog and she's got a link to it there and uh, on top of that on the balloon artist podcast.com website where we will have the this episode of the interview in season six we'll put a link to balloon.com's a u uh, slash tool so you can get it this way as well. Um, I'd like to thank you so much, Chris Adamo, for for all that you do. Uh, you're, you're a rising star uh, of inspiration and of of bliss uh, in the industry. Everyone loves you for good reasons, and it's a pleasure to talk with you face to face. Thanks, Evie. Th- thank you so much for having me, mate. I have really enjoyed it. We'll see you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. That was the interview with Chris Adamo. I hope you liked this chapter, chapter nine of season six of the Balloon Artist podcast. Next week, we're going to have an interview with Mike Hurst. He's a person that really trusted the road when it comes to creating his balloon empire. And he's a retailer for a very talented balloon artist from, from the UK. He actually have been involved in teaching uh, balloon art lately through the balloon artist college among other ways and have released designs in the 21 day challenge of the balloon artist college we have four of these every year and he was involved in the designs of two of them and in in addition he has his own uh, online course for balloon artists to help them go into the realm of personalization and that can be seen on balloonartistcollege.com So we're going to hear from Mike. And in the meantime, I would like to ask you for one thing. If you didn't do this already, uh, go ahead and look on Facebook for the Balloon Artist Facebook group and join the group. We have quite a party over there. And if you have already joined the Facebook group, the Balloon Artist Facebook group, then please go over there whenever you can and let me know what did you think about the Balloon Artist Podcast chapter. Thank you guys and see you inside the Balloon Artist Facebook group. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Season 6, Chapter 9, the tip section. And the tip of today is related to Something that you've been probably noticing happening a lot lately in your inbox, which is that you're getting an email about GDPR. Well, GDPR is a new standard and a new rule, a new law in Europe, but this actually affects everyone, even if you're not in Europe. So if you are living in Europe, that that law actually is uh, very, very important for you to know by heart because... Uh, you might get a fine and you, that that fine can be um, if you're not keeping the privacy of your customers and that fine can be even 4% of your annual income. That's a lot of money. But, and they don't even need to prove anything. They're just enough that you are, are not um, keeping uh, like proof that you got consent on uh, using emails for your email marketing. Um But it actually affects the rest of you guys, even if you're outside of Europe, especially if you're using some sort of an email service like MailChimp. Uh, In that case, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting consent from people, even if you're outside of Europe, because MailChimp will be uh, checking for that uh, as a company. But this is something that is important for you, nonetheless, even if you are not using MailChimp. It's important for you to know because I've been sending you an email to suggest you to press a button and then you know continue to get emails from me. And this is a, a, a very interesting point of, of time where you can still uh, press that button if you go into your inbox, find an email from uh, zivi at balloonartistpodcast.com and press the button. If you do not open uh, your email and do that, that's okay. We will um, uh, part ways um, uh, politely, and I will not email you again, Um, and that will be it. So uh, you will not be getting any of the emails, any of the tips over emails, or any of the free offers, like the free courses of Balloon Artist College, or any of our deals like uh, the uh, launches of uh, new courses that we have on Balloon Artist College. So I uh, hereby uh, share with you that this is something that you can still change. If you have already done that, thank you. Uh, many, many hundreds of people have done that. At the same time, you can still go into your inbox, look for zivy at com, and press the button, as well as uh, maybe if we are, if you got the email in your spam directory, then maybe drag that into your inbox. So that was the tip about GDPR, a little bit of information about what it is, and how you can uh, ki- keep yourself a slot in uh, my email list, the email list of Balloon Artist College and Balloon Artist Podcast. Thank you so much, guys. See you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast.